Hello, people of the world. By the time you are hearing this, you will be less than 24 hours from a college football Saturday. And with such a topsy-turvy college football season because of COVID-19, we really got some weird things happening in the world of college football. Today is a very special Penn State-centric episode of the Upper Bowl GM podcast featuring one of my colleagues from the Gotham Sports Network. But before I bring it over to him, got to remind everyone, you can find this podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast, you can find this amazing podcast. Let someone else know. Slowly but surely, we're getting the listens up slowly but surely, trying to get to three episodes a week pretty consistently. It'll help. I really do appreciate it. Now, to set the scene. Coming into this season, the Penn State Nittany Lions were in the preseason top 10. Most people expected them to be Ohio State's toughest competition in the Big Ten East, like they have been the previous five years or so, where they've always managed to hang around. And for whatever reason, they typically play Ohio State pretty well. If you remember a couple weeks ago when I went on Blake's podcast from Gotham, we talked about, we both expected that Penn State would manage to keep it within 10 points just because of historically, that's what James Franklin teams do. They play good teams close and they find a way to hang around and then typically they mess up and they don't win the game, but they at least cover, which is the sign of a truly great team. They cover the spread. But I will see you guys on the other side of the drop with my very special guest. Here's Hackenberg. He's going to go for it right here. And Robinson comes down with it at the one-yard line. And with that, I welcome on Jesse Finver. How are we doing, bud? Hey, hey, how we doing? <laughs> I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. I spent my morning rewatching the 2016 Rose Bowl to kind of get my brain in the space to have this conversation because I, I, I know Penn State is capable of playing good football. It's it's going to be one of those podcasts, isn't it? You're just going to make me sad. No, no, we're going to have good. There's conversation, productive conversations to be had here because we're going to get into it as we go. But it's hard to peg where you are in the college football landscape nationally if you're not Alabama, Clemson, or Ohio State. And I think a lot of teams like Penn State, Texas, Michigan, Georgia, those teams have to find a place in the landscape for them because with only a four-team field, it's just kind of unrealistic to say, we're not at the tier of those schools, but hey, we all nine, ten of us second-tier teams are fighting for that fourth spot. And we all think we should get it every single year because that's our expectation because we're a blue chip school. We're a blue blood school that historically has always been competitive nationally. And it's hard. It's very hard to make the playoff. I mean, there's only been nine teams to make it in the six years of its existence. And we have come so close Mm -hmm. so many times. Uh, You mentioned that Rose Bowl year that to me, we, when I say we, I can say we. I went to Penn State. Um, we we should have made it that year. We got robbed. Um, we beat Ohio State, and we still didn't get in. And obviously, you know, we lost the Rose Bowl, which was really tough. Uh, and that was a very fun – I mean, if there's one bowl game 
other than the college football playoff that matters, it's the Rose Bowl. Um, and I believe they play the college football playoff at the Rose Bowl. Um, Every other years. year. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, uh, but that year we played USC, Sam Darnold, um, you know, began a stretch of, of four years of just breaking my heart, you know, every weekend pretty much in the fall. Uh, and he started off with a bang by coming back and, and beating us. We were up two touchdowns. You know, Penn State, I'm pretty sure we scored on eight or nine consecutive drives in that game, and we still lost. So, yeah, I mean, it's just – like I said, it's going to be one of those podcasts, man. One of those podcasts, but that's kind of where every school that isn't Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State is. Realistically yeah. speaking, we're all just watching to see who that fourth team is pretty much every year. So I don't know what it's going to happen this year. You especially. know, someone someone wrote an article before the season on ESPN that was like, "Is Penn State about to become the next Clemson? Can they make the jump?" And let, let me tell you, spoiler alert, <laughs> probably not. Probably not going to make that jump anytime soon. I mean, that's also <laughs> incumbent upon having like top five recruiting classes like seven years in a row. So you can constantly just plug in four and five star recruits ready to play. And yeah, we don't get that. We've had that once maybe. Yeah, no, I, I wrote it down here. The They had the sixth-ranked recruiting class in 2018, but other than that, they've been in the teens every year of the James Franklin era, which isn't yeah, bad. Yeah, because we had, we had Micah Parsons in that 2018 recruiting class, I'm pretty sure. And, uh, yeah, he's not here right now. Yeah. So, you know, that's definitely a, a reason why we're not as good as we are. Uh, we were last year. We lost our best player. He was going to be a top-10 pick in the draft this year. Yeah, so – Let's peel it back a little bit. We'll go back, keep it some semblance of order. Yeah. I don't know how much of the Penn State Nebraska game you sub- subjected yourself to last Saturday. I had it relegated to a laptop screen where I wasn't paying much attention to it because they got smoked in the first half. And I was like, oh, they're going to go out sad, sad, getting housed by Scott Frost. And then they actually put Will, Le- Will Levy's in and he wasn't good, but he was competent. I watched the last two drives of the game. Mm-hmm. I did not subject myself. I tweeted it out saying that I will not subject myself to watching that garbage football team. And I've been saying that Sean Clifford needed to be benched since uh, what week was it? It was like the first half of the Ohio state game, probably. Um even in the uh, Indiana game, I was like, this kid needs to be benched, honestly. Uh, I, I was not a fan of how he was playing. And uh, I'm blanking on our offense, Sarnekia or something. The offensive coordinator, Sarkata. He was from Minnesota, who did a great job with their quarterback last year. And there was all this talk about how he was going to really, you know, improve Sean Clifford's game. And Sean Clifford was going to become much more than a runner. He was going to become a passer as well. And his passing game, I mean, Penn State, all the offense, famously, since Joe Moore had left, who follows me on Twitter, by the way, um, you know, I, I covered him at Mississippi State, not to brag or anything, but uh, <laughs> ever since Joe Moore has been here, James Franklin has run his offense pretty much, where it's a very vertical offense with a shotgun, every plays in shotgun formation, uh, a lot of zone running, uh, zone run schemes, zone blocking schemes, and listen, Joe Moore ain't here anymore. He ain't calling the plays anymore. 
I, 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 you, you just said the offensive coordinator's name and I, I can't remember it still. That's how like detached I am from this season because of how upset this team has made me. And listen, I am a huge Penn State and Nittany Lion fan. I live and breathe Penn State football. I'm looking at recruiting prospects every single year, but this has obviously been a weird year. You know, it's been a weird, a weird year for everybody. And Going into the season, I well, first of all, I didn't think there was going to be a season. So I was like, you know what? I'm just not really going to care that much about college football this year. I don't care about the SEC that much. Uh, I don't care about the Conference USA, which I've been covering the last three years. I don't care about all these other conferences. I care about Penn State, and they're not being playing. And then all of a sudden, they're playing. And I was like, okay, well, I don't really know much about this team, huh? We lost our best player. Micah Parsons isn't there. And so you go into this into the season, we always beat Indiana. I think Indiana won their first time against us this year since like 83 or mm-hmm. 85, like something crazy like that. And they were really good. La- they, they, they were really good last year for an Indiana team. And they're really, really good this year. They're a top 10 team in the country. We lost them by one. I think that this team is more, uh, it, it, we're closer to what that score is than we are to losing to Nebraska and Maryland by a combined uh, like 25 points. Um Listen, this is the worst year in the history of Penn State football. It's not even close. Okay. I, I can't, I, and, 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 and I'm talking record-wise, yes. not – Yes, I wanted to get that qualifier in there, <laughs> importantly. I had to do yeah, that. It's a very – no, it's a very important qualifier. Um, obviously, what happened with, uh, you know, Jerry Sandusky and uh, Joe Paterno and whatnot is the worst period in Penn State football history. Um, I'm talking like team talent record wise, all of that, you know, the teams that immediately followed that bill O'Brien's teams and James Franklin's early teams were better than these teams We're better than these teams. This team is going to go. zero and eight. And I know I'm jumping ahead on the, on the outline right now, but you know, on the outline, it's you're asking, you want, you're, you're asking about, you know, you know, the Nebraska game. Well, no, I watched the last two drives and in the, on those two drives this is a roundabout way of getting to your answer to your question like i said it's gonna be one of those podcasts i am rambling and ranting because this team has me so upset those two drives you go over eight and you don't give a yard what is this are you, are you is this remember the titans like not another yeah like are you kidding me like come on man you can't you're, you're running this offense that you get from joe moorhead you're running in, you're, you're you're starting in shotgun a vertical offense you have all this talent on the outside Jahan Dotson and all these guys you have you know running backs you're all you lost you lose journey brown and you you, you lose Noah Kane and, and you're running with a bunch of like you know that's probably the best like group like, we call them the lawn boys it's probably the best position group that you have so you have some depth there and you can't get anything you can't get a single yard on two drives you're inside the red zone in both those and you can't do a single thing you know Devin Ford is whatever Saziah so Holmes actually showed some pop and Kayvon Lee showed some pop against uh not Maryland it was Ohio State so you have these guys who you know who can you know move the rock and just the play calling has been atrocious James Franklin's in-game coaching has been atrocious it's been really really frustrating and you know finally Clifford gets benched and you see Levis come in and you know, like I said, I didn't watch the last two drives. Apparently he looked really good, but not those last two red zone attempts. I'll tell you that much. So I'm going to skip ahead to it because it's lower down in the rundown, but 
Do you think this is a case of where the talent level is finally not high enough to exceed what the coaching is? Because the Penn State teams of the last few years, extremely talented individual players. You have guys yeah. like Miles, Gasecki, Chris Godwin. Saquon Barkley. Saquon, I, yes. Yeah, you have a lot of players in the NFL right now who are NFL caliber, who are NFL talents, who are getting lots of playing time. And I think there's two starters on the offense who will play in the NFL at a high level. And that's Jahan Dotson and Pat Frymuth. Mm-hmm. Um, Pat Frymuth, one of the best Titans in college football and Jahan Dotson has loads of talent. As you saw against Ohio state, that crazy one-handed catch he had. Um, and he's just a, you know, he's, he's one of the best wide receivers in the conference. And so the, the, there's a severe lack of talent right now the recruiting classes have gone down every single year since that 2018 season where you had the number six recruiting class i I can't remember off the top of my head but it it's in the teens and now looking ahead to 2021 i think it's like in the 30s 33 um, 33 which is unheard of for penn state um there's a lot of time to go and getting commitments and whatnot but even at that point like at this point like it should be way higher um the talent level is just not where it needs to be. And the knock on the, the, the positive thing about Franklin the last five years that he's been here has been that he is an excellent, he's a, an excellent recruiter, a plus recruiter. You know, you're going to bring him into your living room and he's going to recruit the hell out of your kid. I don't know what it's been like to recruit under COVID and that has nothing to do with this season, obviously, but it's certainly not looking good for that 2021 class. One, two. It's just been really difficult watching his in-game decision making. I wouldn't progress. Isn't the right word. Cause he, there's been no progression. It, it's just, it's very conservative. He plays not to lose, and he just tries to play field position, which isn't a realistic a realistic path at this point. I mean, the one that stands out to me the most, because I watch most Penn State football games, but the one that stands out to me the most in my brain is the Citrus Bowl, where they just kick the field goal instead of, you know, trying to win the game. They played for the tie, and then Kentucky just came down the field and scored on them to yep. win the game. It's they're playing not to lose. And, and like, like he, I think he brought like in the Nebraska game this past weekend, I've been, I'm in multiple group chats with Penn state people. And I've scrolled through as I was not watching the game, trying to just be like, cause I'm still interested in what's going on. It's just, I just refuse to give my time, my time to that. They brought out the punter to kick a 57 yard field goal into the wind down 21. Things like that. Where you see that Nick Saban doesn't do that. Dabo doesn't do that. Urban Meyer and Ryan Day don't do that. Like it's just the way you said it is right. He he plays not to lose. And it's very frustrating to watch that there are so many coaches. There's so many instances in the NFL and in college football these days where people get praised for their aggression going for it on fourth and short inside plus territory. Think something that Franklin rarely does. 
And listen, it's not like it's it's not like it's minor things that he messes up. You know, it doesn't matter really. It doesn't matter if he decides to if you're down 21 and you're and you're in a lost season and you kick a field a 57 yard field goal with your punter who is the long kicker like he's the guy you bring in to kick the long field goals uh into the wind i'm not that upset about that it's he he does it's it's the fact that he does these things in the big moments like you mentioned in the citrus bowl that really make you shake your head and think this guy he can't be the guy he can't be the guy that brings Penn State over the hump is he like he he does so many head scratching things and I can't point to just one thing because there's so many of them that happen in big moments over and over over. yeah that's another one running a draw on fourth and five to chase young side of the defensive line I mean this isn't rocket science here I mean the entire point of this podcast is we are watching this game at home or at, in the cheap seats, and we can see that this isn't working. Why are the people whose job it is to make it work not realizing it's not working? It's the entire point of this podcast. And it's well, so- I think there's a little bit of fear. I think there's a little bit of fear involved in that. And there are, if you're Sandy Barber, you're thinking, and this is the conversation that my friends and I have had, it feels like a hundred times at this point. Who are you getting that's better? that's yeah there isn't that's the thing that goes back to the what is a realistic expectation for everyone aside from the big the three schools that make the playoff pretty much every year can you say all right we're gonna load up and it's not like professional sports where you can load up for one specific year and say we're putting all our chips in we're going for it this year realistically Penn State's best case is once every four to five years you can give Ohio State a good game and you win your win the East and hopefully go to the Big Ten title game. That's year, but a, the thing is, the thing is with Penn State under James Franklin, it's been once every four to five years, Ohio State blows you out, and every yeah. other, and then the rest of those years, you give them great games. They've lost it since they. It was 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019. They won in 2016. I was at that game. It was amazing. 2017, 2018, 2019. They lost by like a combined five points. Yep. They lost right. by one, one, and three. Yep. So that's where the frustration comes from because this program is one of the best jobs in the country. You know, they could get any coach they want pretty much. There are a handful of programs that a coach will pick that, that program over them. Texas, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, not even Michigan at this point. I don't think Michigan – um, and that's just me being a biased Penn State fan. Um, you know, Florida State probably. Uh, and like USC? Maybe USC. Not Miami anymore. Um, not any other team in the SEC, like not a- Georgia. AM has unlimited money. Yeah, that's- but they also they have unlimited money, but they also have the coach. Yeah. Yeah, aren't they top ten this year? Yeah, yeah, they, them, and Jimbo, they're in good shape. They could conceivably make the. They have a legitimate argument to make the playoff because. Are they going to play Bama at all, or? No, they already. They're going to, and they're going to lose. But that, excuse me, they already lost to Alabama, so now they're going to. Excuse me, Alabama's going to hypothetically play Florida in a few weeks in the SEC title game. 
and Florida would have two losses, and A and M would have only one loss at the end of the season. And that would be the Bama. Yeah. So A and M has a legitimate argument as a one-loss team in a normal year, but I think I don't know what to expect with the playoff. To be honest, this year. Yeah, neither do I. Listen, this is a down year for me in my college football fandom, um, and in my Penn State. Nitty lines have been awful. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's my, that, that was my spiel on the Nebraska game. Uh, just, it wasn't worth my time to watch at this point. And I watched at the end when they made it close and what I saw was just pathetic. Okay. So now we're going to get to be happy. You're going to get to reminisce about your time going to Penn state and enjoying being there. Love it. Okay. So just generally, what year did you graduate? 2017. Okay, so you were there for what? All pretty much all of Franklin. Yeah, I was yeah. there for Franklin. I had my first coach was Bill O'Brien. Yeah, that's what I. Um, we had the sanctions, and then we were there when the sanctions were lifted. And boy, oh boy, that was a fun night. Um, you know, I think we called them the the riot. Like there was multiple times where there were like we called them riots. Oh, I I saw the Paterno movie on HBO. <laughs> I, I get the gist of it. I wasn't there for that. <laughs> yeah that was I was sitting I was sitting in this room actually in my basement watching that on my TV thinking god those kids are fucking crazy I'm never <laughs> going to that school and then I went to that school so <laughs> well, how um, did you pick that school detail um so Maryland uh denied me <laughs> okay. Okay. but but I visited I, I Maryland was the number one and then I visited Penn State and I was like e- ooh, this place is amazing way way better yeah way better than maryland's campus not even close um and so i just fell in love with penn state and from that moment on i was an indy lion um so i get there bill o'brien's the coach the o'brien lion t-shirt is sold out everywhere o'brien's lions um my first football memory is christian hackenberg's throw to Allen Robinson. So you laugh, but that was an amazing moment. It was an unbelievable, we beat, that was the first big like major win after the sanctions. I'm pretty sure Saquon Barkley was at that game. And that's why Saquon came to Penn state. Um, so that kind of shaped our entire, like my entire college experience. Cause if that game didn't happen, if A-Rob didn't make that catch. Um, and in fact, if I remember correctly, I can't remember who the wide receiver was, but there was a play before the A-Rob catch where it was, if you're watching on TV, it would have been the near sideline. And it might've been Gino Lewis who made the catch. Um, who I have a story about him in a minute. We have, when you, based on the rundown, I have a story on him. Um, but somebody made a catch, a big catch. And it was just as good as the A-Rob catch, but the A-Rob catch is the one where you get down to the one yard line and then um, the running back brand. See, this is so long ago for me. I'm, I'm blanking out on the running back's name. He was, it was, uh, it wasn't Zawicki. See, I'm like, I feel like I'm like doing a disservice to the Nitty like to, to Lion faithful right now, not remembering these running backs names. Let me look this up. So it was um, Zach Zwinak was the white running back. Uh, the 2014 Penn State football roster. It's like BB is the initials. And I laughed um, when 
I laughed before just because you mentioned Christian Hackenberg's name. Not the play. Oh, yeah, I know no, the play's I, existence. I, trust me. I totally get that. You got a double um, dip of Hackenberg in your life. Yeah, we don't need to talk about that though. <laughs> Bill Belton. Bill Belton. He had the game-winning touchdown and he also in overtime in, in like the fourth or fifth overtime. Um so the story of that game. Hackenberg was the number one recruit in the country and or the number one quarterback recruit in the country. Penn State got him. Bill O'Brien got him. And he was supposed to, and he was a freshman that year. He was supposed to be the man, like bring Penn State back. And he really did save the program, despite how much fun we make of him, um, how much we make fun of him. He really did save the program, brought legit, legitimacy back to the uh, Penn State. You know, when you get a quarterback of that caliber, he had a great freshman year. Um, and that game against Michigan was gigantic. It was the first ranked matchup of the year. Obviously we got killed by Ohio state. Um, but that was, that was a legitimately, and I'm going to look up the, I got the, uh, the schedule right here. So we, let's see. Right. So UCF. So yes. All right. So that was in Dublin. We beat UCF. I remember that. Uh, you get Akron. You get Rutgers. You kill UMass. And then we lost to Northwestern at home, 29-6. to And it was a miserable game. And so you're 4-1 and one heading into Michigan. And then you have Ohio State right after that. And so that was the season. Like, if you lose – both of those games, you're in a crappy bowl game, um, which we ended up being in a crappy bowl game, the pinstripe bowl, which I went to and it was fun being at Yankee Stadium and watching a football game and playing against BC, which was actually a great game, a 31 to 30 win. Um, you know what? I'm in the wrong year. 2013 was the year. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. So that was Franklin's first year that I'm thinking of. Yes. All right, seven and five. We beat Syracuse. We beat Eastern Michigan. We lose to UCF that year. That year, we lost to UCF. That was uh, Blake Bortles, I'm pretty sure. Yep. And Storm Johnson. Yeah, now it's all coming back to me. Storm Johnson, what a name. Great running back for UCF. Blake Bortles killed us. So we're th- two and one. Uh, kill Kent State. Now you, we lost to Indiana in Bloomington, which I thought – that we didn't lose them since 1983, but I guess that was the first loss at home since 1983 to Indiana. Maybe that kind of, must have no, been. No, I thought they were at Indiana because the first home game of the season was the whiteout this year. No, we, we lost at home to Indiana. This year? Then why did we, why did I, why did I, why did they say that it was like our first loss to Indiana? Maybe it was the first – I think that was the first Indiana win against a top-10 team since 1983, possibly. That feels like the right stat in my brain. I could be yeah, wrong. Yeah, that, that, that feels better. Okay. I mean, it doesn't feel better, but, you know. Terrific radio production here. Yeah, oh, fantastic. This yeah. is great radio. Anyway, Indiana, you lose to Indiana. You're 3-2, and two, and we're like, great. Like, now you get Michigan. They're ranked coming into town. And then you have Ohio State the next week. The week after we lost, we, we, we lost to Ohio State sixty-three to fourteen. You got Rutgers. Like this was a this was a rough year. Yeah, this is a rough year. But that oh, that Michigan game, 
was humongous because you're coming in three and two. You lose that year three and three, and then the season's pretty much over. Um, and we didn't even make a bowl game because we had a bowl, we had a bowl ban. Yeah. So you, we finished seven and five, but that Michigan game went to four overtimes. And I went with a couple of my friends freshman year. Pretty much everybody left. It was, oh, that's not the right. I'm clicking links and it's bringing me to the wrong thing. Everybody left in the, like the third or fourth quarter. Um, and like, why wouldn't they like, it's a Saturday night time to get to it's it. A, exactly. It was a Saturday night. It's time to get to it. Exactly. And I was like, this is, this is the whiteout. I'm not fucking leaving. Are you kidding me? So it was uh, 27, 30, 34 uh it was 34 to or it was 27 to 24 going into the fourth quarter they go up um 34 to 24 we're down 10 everybody leaves in the fourth quarter and i'm left standing next to this gorgeous girl group of girls they were three or two or three years older than me i remember the sorority they're in i remember what they look like i don't know their names never saw them again in my life but i just it just stuck with me i was like wow this is college this is great <laughs> and so obviously you know we go down i want to know if i, I want to see if i can figure out who the guy who caught the the te- the, the pass right before alan robinson was um now we're in the well, i'm seeing like sam thicken in here uh, it was 24 27. Felder for 14 29. Pick up right. So, is this guy Felder? I guess I, I didn't remember that. I thought it was somebody else. And then, obviously, the A Rob catch. I remember just jumping up and down, hugging this random girl that I'm standing next to, screaming our heads off, like losing our minds. And so many people had left. So overtime starts. Everybody in the student section. You ever been to Beaver Stadium before? Yes, I have. I've been twice actually. I can proudly so you, say. Have you, have you have you stood in the student section? I snuck in there towards the end of a get, the one game I went to. Yeah. So the back is covered, right? Almost covered, but it's it's all bleachers. But the back is covered by the upper upper levels of the stadium, yeah. right? It was empty in the back at this point. So many people had left. They thought it was over. It was a 10-point game. And so all of us, for for all four overtimes, we all packed in as close as we could. We were all – I mean, right now, if it was COVID, it would be very frowned upon. Let's just say that. And we pack in as tight as we possibly can. And we're waving our arms and going crazy trying to, like, you know – they missed, like, multiple field goals. They blo- We blocked one. Um, yeah, he, he missed uh, – yeah, he, he they missed a 52-yard field goal um, to end the end regulation, and then uh, double overtime. It was uh, the first overtime. He they we blocked the 40-yarder. Um, both teams exchanged field goals. Third overtime, Penn State fumbled. Michigan missed their in the third OT. It was the 33-yard field goal. It was a chip shot, and the kid missed it. And that's when it started getting euphoric. Like, holy crap, we may pull this off. And then. Obviously, Bill Belton. Uh, Bill Belton scored that touchdown. We held the, uh, Michigan to a field goal, 
Uh, we won 43-40. That was a game where I was thinking – I left that game with a couple of my friends. I found them, and we were like, all right, so we're never going to see a football game that good again. Uh, that wasn't the case. It, it got it got better before it got much worse, which was this year. It got worse, but it got much better. You got so that, was my fir- that was my first – that's my first memory of Penn State football as a student. That's a pretty good – if they could chop up the good parts of that and do like a nice 30 seconds, that would be a good commercial to put in for, you know, you should come to college here. The- yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was a little lengthy, yes. But, yes. But, yes, it was it – was, uh, it was such a memorable night. Like, my buddy met his girlfriend that night who he dated, like, all throughout college. Um, like, it just a lot of things happened that night. The football team – we threw a party that night and the whole football team over at our fraternity house. Um, pretty sure Hackenberg had a threesome in our third, on our third floor. You know, we, someone saw him with just two blondes around his arms and we were like, all right. Uh, yeah. It's the quarterback. Yeah. Do your thing, man. We had like football players, like smashing our ceiling. You know, it was, it was a crazy, crazy night. One I'll never forget. Yeah. I mean, the one Penn State game I went to that wasn't a blue-white game, they just murdered Kent State, and I was out of there by 4.15. It was like a 65-7 to 7 kind of afternoon where, oh, yeah. where everyone cleared out by the end of the third quarter to get back to drinking. So not exactly the same level of intensity, but it's a very, very cool experience. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's the best It's the best play. It's, happy. It's, it's called Happy Valley for a reason. Not this year, but – no, it's not happy this year. I, well, there's no happiness anywhere in college football really this year, unless you're one of those three teams that you mentioned yeah. before. One of your questions I was looking at before we started this was Bill O'Brien versus James Franklin. So I was a freshman. I was a sophomore. And there was an off-campus housing place called The Retreat. And it was like they had a huge pool and a hot tub. And they had like – it was a very, very nice like off-campus housing place. And so – we go to the hot tub and we're hanging out, we're drinking and in walks Gino Lewis who played safety. Uh, I believe it was Gino Lewis. One of their players, one of the defensive players, one of the old heads walked in and was hanging out with this girl. And I was kind of fanboying a little bit like, yo, that's a football player. That's really cool. Like, oh my God, that's so cool. It's a football player. This is before I was like doing like reporting stuff. Uh So like I hadn't like, you know, gotten through that phase of like fanboying when an athlete like walks into the hot tub, you know? (laughs) As one does. As as one does, obviously. And so I muster up the courage to ask him like, hey, so like, how's the season going? Well, I knew how the season was going. It wasn't going well. Um, we were all upset with James Franklin and everything. And I asked him, I was like, so what's the, um, what's the biggest difference between Bill O'Brien and James Franklin? Cause he had both of his coaches and Bill O'Brien recruited him. And he says a simple sentence. Bill O'Brien treated us like men. And I was like, Whoa, that's a, uh, that's one hell of a quote right there. Like I, I didn't know, I didn't really know what to make of that. Um, and I'm going to actually look up. I want to make sure. Cause it's not, it wasn't Gino Lewis. It might've been Jordan Lucas. I have the roster up right here. 
he was the it was the safety. He was the starting safety for Penn State. It wasn't Gino Lewis? He was wide receiver. It was Jordan. I think it was Jordan Lucas. Yeah, he played cornerback. He played defensive back. And I heard that, and I mean, when you hear that, and you're already down on your the head coach, right? Everybody's pissed off about James Franklin and how like the season like, he's supposed to be this great player, this great coach who's coming from Vanderbilt, who led them to nine win seasons and all this stuff, and it was supposed to be a big deal. And he comes in and kind of shits the bed off the bat. You're like, damn. You hear that from a player. And now, obviously, I think that Jordan Lucas would be a guy that would not have come to Penn State if uh, if it was James Franklin, you know, recruiting him. And, you know, James had much success after that quote had happened. So I kind of forgave him and at, uh, at a certain point. But that was a, a definitely that was definitely a, an eye opening quote. That's something that stuck with me for a very long time. Um, and it's been re- resurfaced in my mind uh, since since this season has started, for sure. There are certain points where you just kind of like we everybody with their college football coach has to say is who are we going to get that's better? And realistically, you there probably isn't anyone better you can get right now. So I tweet. So I, I knew I tweeted this quote out. This is mm. like the most liked tweet I ever had at, mm. at the time. It was November. It was sorry. It was September 24th. 2016 i tweeted this 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 out i said i once asked former penn state safety jordan lucas what the biggest difference between bill o'brien and james franklin was quote bill treated us like men um and i probably would have said more if uh we didn't have a character limit back then mm-hmm. um but that was definitely and i, I want to look up the that was i believe right before the minnesota game in 2016 now 2016 is the year um that we went to the rose bowl and that was right before the minnesota game where we were down a lot yep okay so that was after (laughs) ready for this that was like halfway through michigan blowing out penn state 49 to 10 in ann arbor um coming off of that dreadful loss to Pitt. Do you remember that? Faintly, that was tra- yes. Trace through fo- Penn State was down. Penn State comes all the way back. Trace McSorley threw an awful interception on the final drive of the game, trying to force one down the field. Now, that kind of became the staple of the offense, not forcing it, but really, you know, trusting his arm and throwing, you know, that vertical offense that that Joe Moore had ran. Um you know, that was like kind of the beginning you beat smack, you beat temple 20, 34 to 27, and then you get blown out by Michigan and you're losing to Minnesota at home at half by like a lot. And then Saquon has that crazy touchdown in overtime to win the game. Uh, and then you go, you beat Maryland uh, the next week, uh, 38, 14, and then you beat Ohio state in the legendary game, the whiteout. Uh, and you go on and you win out the rest of the season, except for the, the, um, the Rose bowl and, you know, whatnot. But that was the last time I felt this way about James Franklin. 
September 24th, 2016, where pretty much the entire fan base had turned on James Franklin. And now it's, I mean, it's a very similar feeling. It's a very similar feeling. Yeah. I mean, the real problem is even if you wanted to get rid of him, he just signed an extension this summer and right. No, it's like a five-year extension, right? Yeah, with no, a 30, with a $38 million buyout, I think. Yep. Something like that. You're stuck with him at minimum two more years, even if it really goes bad, bad the next year and a half, two years. Yeah. Yeah. So, so transitioning large scale. Yeah. I have down there. The, I forgot to mention when you said trace uh, TikTok. Well, that's TikTok legend Trace McSorley to you, but I I don't get no, that's that. Trace, whole... That's that's TikTok legend Trace McSorley to you because I I'm not on TikTok. So Neither I... am I. I thought you might know. <laughs> I know. No, there is a song like I... Trace McSorley. Yeah, nah, I remember nah, the song. Yeah. yeah, like I don't like. Apparently, that's like a thing on TikTok. Gotcha. My friends have told me about it. They're like, yeah, like, Trace is like big on TikTok. I'm like cool like i don't i don't i don't do I mean, tiktok <laughs> it's not like he's he's not getting much work in besides being like you know lamar for the scout team that's really it but yeah no really because you so vehemently talked about clifford before they're coming off of mcsorley why does penn state's offense why is it so i i don't want to say outdated but con- conceptually it just kind of feels like they're playing football from like five, six years ago still, as opposed to some of the more creative things you see where they have these toolsy athletic quarterbacks who aren't the most accurate passers. They really rely on the read option and running game to allow you to take those deep shots where the quarterbacks they're running, are. They're running more heads offense still. Yeah. And it's with the RPO him, offense. It's the RPO offense that you, you know, McSorley was his best trade was his deep ball being yeah. able to stretch the field and using his legs. And he was just a smarter quarterback than Sean Clifford is. Um, Clifford just makes really bad decisions. And you, I, 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 you watched the, the Nebraska game. It, from what yeah. I was able to tell, I mean, Levis, you know, didn't make those bad decisions and, yeah. and Clifford didn't. That's why Clifford got benched. Yeah, I mean, the fumble six was ridiculous where he was getting thrown down and he didn't tuck the ball in. He still had it out from his body. So when he got thrown to the ground, it slipped out and Nebraska was able to walk in for a touchdown. That's on brand. Yeah, it's what those little things. It's how do we make what we have better? Because what they were doing with Clifford for the first two weeks of the season wasn't working. At some point, you have to say – all right, this just isn't working. We have to change what we're doing. Where they come out and run the RPO look, but he doesn't actually look down the field. He just kind of holds it at his chest and then starts running delayed. Like it's supposed to be an RPO. It's not a read option. And it's just bad decision-making. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it hasn't been good. It hasn't been good. And it has every Penn state fan really missing Trace McSorley. Um, he was a special quarterback, a special college quarterback. And uh, I don't know. I just, I mean, he, it's not like he was highly recruited. Yeah. You know, they wanted him to play safety. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, but Hey, I mean, like we say, like we say, Trace McSorley was born in the rain. He wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't playing safety. He wasn't playing no safety. My kid's playing quarterback and uh, we could, we could certainly use him right now. I'll tell you that much. 
Because okay. like you said before, you, you briefly mentioned this, and I may have glossed over this when you asked it, but they, they really are more reliant on their game, their game breakers and not their scheme right now. And the game breakers just aren't what they used to be. Yeah. Like, I said, like I said, they have two guys on offense, maybe some offensive linemen, maybe, but two guys, two weapons on offense right now that will make it to the NFL and have success. And success is a very loose word right there. Um, Firemuth will have actual success. I don't know about Dawson, but Dawson's talented. So we'll see. So now that we've covered a lot, I just kind of want to circle back to the initial point I made about expectations as an alumni. What do you not, not the, I love this team. I want them to win the national title. What is a realistic expectation for Penn state in a normal year? Nine to 10 wins. Um, the chance to go to a Rose Bowl if you beat Ohio State or even if you lose a close one to Ohio State every year. But basically being in a position where if you beat Ohio State, either if you if you beat Ohio State, you're going to the playoff. If you lose, you're going to go to a great bowl game, which is where we've been the last four or five years. You know, that's the expectation of Penn State. Nine to 12, nine to 11 wins, you know, and being in that game against Ohio state, because listen, no one in their right mind. That's a Penn state fan thinks that they can compete with Ohio state recruiting wise. That's a factory. Just like Alabama is a factory, just like Clemson is now a factory, but this team, this program has shown they could hang. They can hang with Ohio state and they've done it four years in a row, excluding this year. And honestly, it's not like they they were out of the game. Like they 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 played against Ohio State hard. I think they lost only by ten. Um, you know they lost. Uh, what was it? 38, 20, 30, 38, 25. They were down. It was a two touchdown game, um, and a timely stop or two. It could have been a one possession game at, at the end of the day. Um, but you know they're a factory. The the biggest thing that's happened to this program was they lost Justin Fields. Yeah. And for those who didn't know, Justin Fields was, was committed to Penn state. He was coming to Penn state and he left, I believe because Moore had left. Um, and also cause he wanted to get more playing time. So he went to Georgia to sit behind Jake Fromm. He thought he was going to steal that job from Eason or and from, from the Georgia QB stuff is a mess that there, there's so many continuities and timelines you have to keep track of, but yeah. Originally, he probably thought he could take the job from Fromm. That is the conventional thinking. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So yeah, ex- that's that's where I'm at. Gotcha. Expectations nine to ten, nine to ten wins. So, in terms of pecking order for the Big Ten at large, you put yourselves. You would put Penn State what the second tier with Wisconsin. And that's really it right now because Michigan looks like even worse where Ohio State's their own tier and then Penn State's in that second tier in a normal year. Yeah. 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 And I think we're ahead of Michigan. Yeah. I mean, realistically, I think Michigan's going to probably end up having to suck it up and let Jim walk. And I can't wait for New York Jets head coach Jim Harbaugh because that would be the most Woody Johnson thing to do coming let's, back. From let's this. relax. Okay. <laughs> I host a Jets podcast for all of you who don't know. And uh, you're, you're trying to give me a heart attack here. <laughs> don't, 
don't worry, don't worry. I I don't think it's gonna happen, but I, it's just it would be a very Jets thing to do. It would be a very Jets thing to do. So the last thing I have on our rundown here is, if you were the athletic director, what would you like to do? If I gave you that job for, let's say a year, you can set the tone for everything. You can set the expectations, you can set objectives, you can get rid of people you wanna get rid of, you can tweak things, you can upgrade things. What are the most pressing needs that Penn State has as a football institution? I mean, my first instinct is to fire Franklin. But like we've mentioned on this on this episode, there's no better replacement right now. Like, like I have friends who are like, yeah, let's get in our doozy. I'm like, all right, like relax. Let's <laughs> chill out. No. I'm, yeah. You know, there's just some somebody a couple of people were, were saying we should go for PJ Fleck. And he's been awful at Minnesota this year. He was great last year, but bad this year. Um, there's no easy answer to this question. There yeah. really isn't. Sandy Barber has a very difficult job on her hands. And I think, I think what she'll end up doing is doing nothing. Um, and some people will be like, that's the easy way out. Well, you know what? We've been to multiple New Year's Six Bulls over the last four to five years. Franklin led us out of the sanctions in a way that no one expected him to. And this program has, this program should be dead right now. This program should be Nebraska and it's not, and it might become that after this season, after what the season is doing to this program, if they go zero and eight. But I, I just can't see that happening. And the, the, the this program is too entrenched in Pennsylvania and the Northeast because this really is the Northeast's program yeah yeah there's no like vested loyalty to Syracuse to Rutgers to BC because that that's the other thing is that there's those are pockets in those cities Syracuse in Boston if you live in Boston you're a BC fan if you're if you live in Syracuse you're a Syracuse fan um and like Rutgers has like Central Jersey, but South Jersey's all Penn State, all of Pennsylvania, you know, from Center County eastward is is Penn State. Even further than that, like even more, even more west than that, you know, um, it's like Penn State and then Allegheny County is is Pitt, and that's it. Yeah, you know. Or if you went to Pitt, that's that's all it is. Like Penn State dominates that state, and dominates the Northeast for the for the most part. You know, recruiting Penn State. I mean, Saquon was committed to Rutgers. Yeah, James is like, I'll take that. You know, <laughs> like I'll take him. Thank you very much. Um, this program ain't dead, but it's not in good shape. And firing Franklin would make sense. If you, if you go 0-8, firing Franklin makes sense if you have a better option. I just don't see the better option out there. 
So you just mentioned about recruiting. One of the things the Penn, I don't think it was the Penn State athletic beat writer, but someone at the athletic wrote something today about the real problem Penn State's been having with recruiting the last few years is that they're just not getting the in-state recruits. They're getting poached out by Ohio State, Wisconsin, Michigan, Nebraska. For this year, they don't have any of the top 10 recruits committed for 2020, for the 2021 draft class to Penn State. They've all been outsourced to other states. So yeah, that's definitely you, a problem. Do you think that realistically that this is just a one year, it's a weird year, there wasn't an off season, they didn't get really to practice, or do you think that this is a large scale multi-year problem that's going to need to be corrected? I think it's way too early to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's certainly concerning it has the potential to be a multi-year large scale problem that needs to be corrected uh, based off of the recruiting classes. But I mean, this is Penn state. This is this Penn state has been in a much worse situation than this before. If Penn state can come back from Jerry Sandusky, he can come back from anything. So I'm not throwing in the towel yet. That's a good way to wrap up this episode because that's the one thing I will say is that the times I've been to, state college everyone is very upbeat and very happy it's got a very the vibes are kind of weird once you see mount nittany and you get into the actual valley and it just kind of feels like i don't want to say it feels like a horror movie where like everyone is way too friendly so there's obviously something wrong but it's kind of the vibe i always get the three times i've been there everyone's very nice very very nice it is it's the it's it's the alabama of the south it's the tuscaloosa of the south I mean, of the north, of the north, excuse me. Tuscaloosa of the north. Um, it's just when there's no Penn State like students there, it's basically you're in Alabama. And <laughs> and I can say that because I lived like an hour and a half from Alabama for three years. I lived in Mississippi for three years. It's, it's a, just a very – it's a great town. It loves its football. It's high school football. It loves its sports. It loves its – at college athletics volleyball wrestling it loves hockey hockey called hockey valley now like they got the pagula ice arena like they got so many great things going on at penn state thon it's just a it's the best place it's the best place and i miss it a lot i haven't been back since i graduated and i'm i would be back this year if not for covid but i'll be back next year and i can't wait to get back there it it's an awesome place. I, I haven't had creamery in like two years. And I, I was thinking I about that, that the other day. Like, I, would I you like, it. would you like to let everyone know about your special jets podcast for you and Connor? Yeah. And yeah. I, you can find, uh, find me on Twitter at Jesse Finver, J E S S E F as in Frank. I am as a Nancy V as in Victor E R. And you can find our podcast. It's called, on any anything you listen to podcasts on itunes soundcloud stitcher radio uh spotify um and google play store uh it's called the jet stream the official new york jets podcast of gotham sports network if you want to find anything on gotham sports network you can do so on gothamsn.com or at gotham sn on twitter and uh yeah check us out we talk about the jets and laugh at our misery you're going to get Trevor Lawrence, though. So you get to have a, all the misery maybe. will be worth it for. Maybe. That's a big maybe. That's a big maybe. 
It would be very Chargers to lose to the Jets this week on the last, a heartbreaking last second. That is not happening. Stop it. Don't even put that into the universe. (laughs) All right. That's a good note. All right, people. Enjoy the weekend of college football and hope for Jesse's sake that the Chargers take care of business for once in their miserable lives. See you guys.